Thank you for listening to this episode on the road again. I grew up camping with my family on weekends and most summer vacations. My parents would load us up in our 30-foot RV and off we went. I remember many Christmases and even my sweet 16th birthday spent camping in our RV. Kim grew up in New Mexico, not camping. She occasionally tent camped, but that was the extent of her camping experiences. Throughout our first 10 years together, when we traveled to a national park or did a road trip, we'd stay in cabins or hotels. However, it was a trip home from Vegas one year that changed our travel life forever. Instead of just hopping back on the 15 freeway and heading home, we decided to loop through Death Valley and then come out near that small town of Baker and then hop back on the 15. Death Valley is pretty remote. We were hitting all the stops. The Devil's Golf Course, those of you who've never been there, the Devil's Golf Course. Every direction you look, it's this white crystal that covers the ground. And some of it's kind of stacked up a little bit. It looks like snow and you see it for miles. But when the sun shines on it, it is so blinding and glary. It like, it burns your eyes. So you wear sunglasses. And, and it's so hot. You can actually hear the snapping of the crystals. They're like popping. From there, we went and stopped at the next tourist stop, which was the Borax Mine. Yep, Borax, like the soap. We were at the mine when Kim tells me that she really has to go to the bathroom. There's no trees, no bushes. A bunch of cars are at this Borax Mine stop. And then we see it. This van pulls up that looks like a mini RV on the outside, but the size of a regular van. We had never seen one before. They open their sliding door and step out. Kim and I walk over to this couple and ask, does your van have a bathroom? They say it does. And a stove and a refrigerator and a full-size bed. They open the door to show us and we look in. And I see this look in Kim's eyes. I'm thinking she is so desperate. She's going to ask if she can use their restroom. But if you know Kim, she's pretty shy. I'm waiting for it. I'm waiting for it. And I hear her ask, where'd you buy the van? They told her the name of some dealership. I don't remember it now. She thanked them and we walked back over to the car. She looked at me and said, drive a few minutes down the road and pull over. I really need to pee. I can't hold it anymore. After we pull over and she took care of business, we were driving out of Death Valley and she said to me, you know, if we had a van like that, imagine where we could go. And then she said, you would never have to pull off the freeway again so I can use a bathroom. Not two weeks later, we purchased our first van. 
a used Mercedes ERA 170. It was 26 feet long and it had all the bells and whistles. It was a rolling condo. I was thinking that we would just be using this when we traveled, but Kim saw the bigger picture. We used that van locally just as much. I added a bike rack on the back so when we were hiking or biking locally, we would bring the van. Afterwards, we could shower. Sometimes we would nap. A couple times we would barbecue, and then we would drive home. Best of all, we could use the bathroom anytime we wanted. No more porta potties, no more gross gas stations. Our first trip in the van was to Joshua Tree, our first national park in the new van. We packed up the dogs, put some food in the refrigerator, our hiking shoes, and off we went. We decided to hike this three mile trail. About two miles in, we come around this large boulder where we see a herd of bighorn sheep. Two of them are ramming their horns into these small trees. We stop, they hear us, and then they take off. Our first time ever seeing wild bighorn sheep. It was then that we decided our goal would be to hit every national park in the United States. It wasn't long after that Kim scheduled our first big trip in the van. We were gone 14 days and hit several national parks, including Yosemite, Redwoods, Kings Canyon, Sequoia, Great Basin, Lassen, and then over to Zion and Bryce Canyon. Did you know Lassen Volcanic National Park here in California is one of the few areas in the world where all four types of volcano can be found? Right here in California. Kim would research each park prior and scope out what hiking or biking trails we would do. These trips were often on summer vacations or Easter break, so the weather also played a factor. The drives could be so long that we'd often listen to books on tape. Kim found this author, Nevada Barr, whose main character in all her books is a female ranger at national parks. Every book was written around the time that the lead character worked at a national park. It was great. We would listen to the book and then stay at that national park. Another trip we were checking off our national parks was through New Mexico and part of Colorado. Kim's old stopping ground from her childhood. In addition to the national parks, Kim would research must-see things to do in the local towns. We stopped at the Petrified Forest National Park and Mesa Verde National Park. Mesa Verde has these amazing dwellings in the cliffs. And then, of course, we went to the Great Sand Dunes National Park. On the way back in New Mexico, we stopped at Taos, which has the only active working Pueblo still in the United States. We stopped in Santa Fe, New Mexico, home to the oldest church in the United States. We visited the Aztec Ruins National Monument, Bandelier, and Chaco National Historic Park. Los Alamos was pretty interesting. It's where the atomic bomb was created. There's this part where you can only enter through a toll booth and show ID. Once inside this town, like it was probably a little bigger than Ramona, I just kind of felt uneasy. 
as we drove around, we didn't see a single person. There's a McDonald's, but no one was in it. This is in the middle of the day. We only saw a few cars on the road, but never saw a person going in or out of a store, in or out of a car, or even in and out of a restaurant. It was just creepy. As we are leaving this area of this town, we go through another tool booth. The guy stops us and he says, were you looking for anything in particular? I said, no, we're just passing through. Why? And he said, we've been watching you on camera the whole time. One year, we did a whole Utah National Park tour. Utah is just beautiful. We loaded up the bikes, the hiking shoes, and the dogs. Off we went. First we went to Zion, then we went to Bryce Canyon, which of course is home of the hoodoos. And if you've never seen a hoodoo in person, it's something you need to see. Went to Arches National Park. We did hike up to that famous arch that you see in all those commercials. Capitol Reef National Park, and of course, Canyonlands National Park. By far the most beautiful drive we've ever been on is the drive from Bryce Canyon to Capitol Reef. Little did we know how famous this drive, known as Scenic Byway 12, is. It's ranked the number two most beautiful highway in the world. It's a must-see. Our van trip to Texas was one of our most dangerous trips and the one that almost killed us. We packed up the dogs, the bikes, and hitched the Jeep behind the van. Our itinerary was to hit Sororo National Park in Arizona, then Guadalupe Mountains National Park, then White Sands National Park, Carlsbad Caverns National Park in New Mexico, ending in Big Band National Park in Texas. If you haven't been to the Carlsbad Caverns, it's mind-blowing. I've never been so far down under the earth, and it's like a whole nother world. There's only one entrance, and it's about as wide as a city bus. And at a certain time every day, the bats fly out of this entrance, and there are so many of them, it looks like smoke blowing from a chimney. And this goes on for a solid hour. This is the trip where we blew the tire that caused major damage to the van, almost killing us. You could hear that story in the previous podcast, Near-Death Experiences. No tow truck would come out that night. So we sat on the side of the freeway for a while, trying to figure out what to do. We then decided to unhitch the Jeep grabbed some clothes, the dogs, and we drove and stayed in some rundown hotel that night in Gila Bend. We were very emotional, grateful how lucky we were to be alive. The next day, we found out that we could only tow our van to the Arizona border, and then from there, we had arranged from a tow company to tow it from the California border all the way back to San Diego. This would cost us about $700. We didn't actually sleep much that night trying to figure all this out. We had all these reservations lined up. 
the food, all our stuff, all our bikes, everything couldn't fit in the Jeep. We were distraught, angry, and sad. But Kim was determined to find a way to make all this work. Kim called Cruise America, and they had one 30-foot RV left in Goodyear, Arizona. I called some RV places and found one in Goodyear that could fix the van. So Kim drove the Jeep to the RV rental place, and I rode in the tow truck with the van to the repair place. At the RV rental place, Kim arranged to have the Jeep stored, since the RV couldn't tow it. She picked me up at the van repair place in the new RV. We unloaded the van and put everything into the rental RV, our food, our belongings, plates, dishes, everything. We had to turn the damaged van in completely empty. We were only two days behind schedule, but determined to make this trip. It was her first time driving a 30-foot RV, and what an experience. Truly unreal. Big Bend National Park in Texas, wow. And White Sands is just phenomenal. We rented these discs and slid down the dunes like they were snow. Matter of fact, if you look at the picture of the homepage of the podcast, the one where it's Kim and I holding the dogs, we're standing on a dune in White Sands National Park. On the way back, we returned the RV. Then we had to rent a storage unit to store all the stuff that was in our van that we moved into the rental RV. Now we had to store that in a storage unit because we were going to drive the Jeep home and we couldn't fit all that in there. So the bikes, everything went into a storage unit. And then we drove the Jeep home. Two months later, I flew to Phoenix, Uber to Goodyear, picked up our van, drove it to the storage unit, loaded everything in the storage unit into the van, canceled the unit, and drove home. This trip by far was our most expensive trip, however, and our scariest trip from blowing that flat tire and almost dying. But we were so proud of ourselves. Our initial thought, our gut reaction was, screw it, let's just head back home. But we never knew if we would ever get the chance to do that trip again. We knew financially this was going to cost us a lot of money. But you can't put a price on this type of experience. As our friend Dee would say, we are just girls in the world. And we were, and we're not going to let that stop us. When Kim was diagnosed with stage 4 cancer, we knew that our goal of visiting every national park was not going to happen. We knew the van would be instrumental and be our mode of transportation to and from Kim's chemo and radiation appointments. This way, she had a bathroom and a bed all to herself right after in case she felt sick. We traded in our 26-foot Mercedes for a 2021 Zion road track. This van had even more bells and whistles and was only 19 feet long. The size of our parking space, it would be easier to maneuver in hospital parking lots. Kim loved this van. 
We used it to move her around in. No matter where we were, she had a toilet and a bed. We thought we'd be able to sneak a few national park trips in between her chemos and radiations, but the realization had set in. Kim said she had one more trip in her, so in true Kim Butler fashion, she packed it all in. Our destination was Oregon, where Kim's niece was going to have a baby. Our first stop, Santa Barbara. We biked on Kim's electric bike all around downtown and the pier. Then we took the 101 up the California coast to Marin, outside of San Francisco. We met up with Brenda and her brother, Sean. We mountain biked all over Mount Tam. Then we hit the Redwoods, crossed over to Oregon, and stayed on the coast of Oregon all the way up to Beaver Creek. The scenery on the 101, and then on the coast of Oregon, I mean, wow. Kim's niece was still a few days away from delivery, so as usual, Kim made a list of things we could do. We toured the Tillamook factory, Tillamook cheese, and Tillamook ice cream, amazing. We drove through Willamette uh, wine country. It's kind of like a mini Napa Valley. We hiked up Multalma Falls. We stopped at Fort Clapstop, where Lewis and Clark settled for a while. We went to this amazing rose garden in downtown Portland. We also met up with Leah and Nino. Leah played college tennis with Kim, and Nino was their tennis coach. We camped with them for a few days in this beautiful wooded area near Eugene. On the trip, we had a call with Kim's radiologist regarding a scan that she had done before we left. Kim had been having some real pain in her T5, where the cancer had increased in size. Her radiologist indicated that she needed radiation. However, she wanted to wait till after the Oregon trip. As the days progressed on our trip, so had the pain, including the side effects from Kim's chemo before we left. Kim's energy was getting really low and she was getting sicker. So the decision was made to head back to San Diego prior to baby Ava being born. It broke Kim's heart to have to miss the birth, but we knew she needed to get home. On the way home, we had stopped at Crater Lake National Park. Now this one had been on our bucket list for a while. We just were never up that far. But here we are at Crater Lake and it was gorgeous. Jaw-dropping beautiful. And this is how we started our day on the way back. After visiting gorgeous Crater Lake, we started heading towards California on this windy mountain two-lane road. Now, the whole time in Oregon on these roads, we've seen so many truckers. We come across this section where it goes from one lane to two lanes so you can pass. And I see this semi-truck ahead of us. And I'm thinking now's the time to pass. So I start speeding up. Kim says, there's no hurry, slow down. So I do. We merge back to the single lane and the truck is still in front of us by about 100 yards. The road's getting windy. And as we come around this turn, we see a small camper braking 
and just the back of the semi as it's going over this cliff. Dirt is coming up from the cliff like smoke. I break. The guy in the camper in front of us gets out. We get out. Walk over to the edge. Now the cliff has a ton of trees. This semi took out every tree. The trailer disconnected from the cab. And it's about 200 yards down this cliff. The dirt settles. I'm shaking. Kim's shaking. We're yelling down to it. Hello, hello. We see nothing. By this time, several cars have stopped. Two guys get out and just start climbing down. It's so steep that they're falling and rolling. The guy in the small RVs on the phone with 911. Two guys make it down to the cab and are yelling, hello, hello, no answer. There is a tree that is sticking out of the windshield of the cab. And I see this logo on the cab. It's the name of the trucking company. So I Google the company's name, and sure enough, it's a local company in Oregon. I call the number. A man answers. I let him know what happened. He asked if I could see the license plate. I, I said I absolutely couldn't. The truck was just in pieces. The cab was in pieces. Anything that was in the back of the truck was just spewed everywhere. He said that the driver's name is Bob and that he has another truck in the area that he's going to send over. At that time, the two guys say they found him. He was dead. I let the guy on the phone know that they just found Bob and he isn't alive. The guy on the phone thanked me up and down for calling him. By now, the lane behind us is completely stopped and the lane in the opposite direction is completely stopped with everyone getting out of their cars to see what happened. I told Kim, we need to go. That once the police come, they're going to shut all these lanes down and that we don't want to be stuck here. So we hop in the van and we take off. Both of us still shaking a bit. Both of us just trying to digest what we just witnessed. We cross over into California and the sky is dark with smoke. As we're heading towards Mount Shasta, it's obviously there's a big fire. Looking up ahead, we can see flames starting to come down the hill towards the freeway. Smoke billowing across and we thought, oh no, not again. Kim said, floor it, and I did. We outran the fire, and in the rearview mirror, watched as they shut down the freeway right behind us. Now, we don't have a reservation anywhere to sleep that night. We were just planning on boondocking or seeing if there is a, a camping spot near Lawson National Park. We were behind schedule, and it's getting late. We switched drivers. As I thought, I must be cursed given everything that's occurred so far today. So we turn on this two-lane road heading towards Lawson National Park. It's getting almost dusk when this deer runs out right in front of our van. Kim slams on the brakes, and I shit you not, the deer freezes, turns its head and looks right at us, and lifts its back leg like to embrace for impact. The van stops inches from the deer, and it scurries off. 
we are just shaking our heads. I mean, when will this day end? About two miles later, we see this car about 20 feet down an embankment with their brake lights on and door open. We stop. I mean, is this really happening? It is. We stop. And there are two really drunk guys in the car. The passenger gets out and says, we're okay, we're okay. The driver leans out and he has blood gushing down his face. I say, you guys don't look okay. And the passenger's like, no, no, it's just a few scratches. We're okay. His words are kind of slurring. I said, all right, well, we're going to go ahead and call the police. And he comes running towards us, yelling, do not call the police. Do not call the police. So Kim and I are starting to get a little scared and uncomfortable with the situation. And we're kind of over being good Samaritans at this point, honestly. So we head back to the, say, all right, no problem, bye. We head back to our van. I get back in the driver's suite because obviously Kim's luck has now run out as well. So I get back in the driver's seat, drive about 10 feet. I look over at Kim and I said, call 911. And she does. It's dusk now. And we realize that we still have no idea where we're staying the night. Kim's searching on the boondocking app as I'm driving for a place somewhere around where we're at. And all I hear is, nope. And then a moment later, nope. I said, is there nothing available? She said, all the places listed in this area have comments that bears were around them all night long. And she looked at me and she said, I'm not dealing with any bears after this day that we've had. I couldn't blame her. The sun sets. We keep driving. It's pitch black. We are not seeing any place to stay. There are no campgrounds, no hotels, no gas stations, nothing. It's almost nine o'clock at night, and we see this sign for a campground. We turn on the road, and this road gets windy. And it's not even wide enough for, like, two vehicles. The trees are overgrown and kind of hanging over the road. And honestly, I'm getting scared. Kim's getting scared. I'm slowing down. I've got the brights on. And then all of a sudden, we break through these trees into this wide open area that has a giant lake and all these RVs parked around it. We find an open parking space, we pay, we park, and then we just sat there for like five minutes. Didn't say anything to each other. We looked at each other, started shaking our heads, and just said, what a day. And that was the last trip that Kim took in the van. A few months after Kim passed, I drove the van up to Oregon again, visiting Kim's niece and baby Ava. Also Kim's tennis coach, Nino, and teammate, Leah. On the way back to California, I realized I was on that same windy road. I slowed down near the area I knew the accident was. And sure enough, there's a white cross on the railing for Bob. Before Kim passed, she wanted her ashes spread at certain national parks. She also told me that I should keep the van, that I should travel, 
and I should complete our goal of seeing all the national parks in the United States. She said I should keep some ashes of her in the van, so she'll always be traveling with me. If you haven't visited a national park, please do. Drive somewhere up the coast to another state. There is so much beauty the United States has to offer. Thank you so much for listening. Please subscribe to the show if you like it. Recommend it to your friends who may need a laugh, some motivation, or just want to hear about our love story. You can also follow me on Instagram at the Kim's Until Death Do Us Part. Until next time, go out and live. You have fun, you have lived, and you are loved.